0: Hello and welcome to All You Ever Wanted to Know. I am Jordan Patswold and so excited over the coming days to be chatting about the municipal election in the city of Yorkton and we have a special opportunity to have been able to speak to both mayoral candidates in the city of Yorkton. Today's interview and guest will be Aaron Keenley. Aaron, thanks for coming in today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Jordan.
0: Well, it's again just great to get an opportunity to chat extensively with both mayoral candidates in this election season so uh, man my first question it's a tough one tell us about yourself
1: <laughs> yeah thanks Jordan and also just to note I think it's really important that everybody does have the opportunity to meet the candidates and learn a little bit more about them so thank you again for the opportunity um, about myself first kind of coming down to the station here it's really neat I've got a little bit of history with this building um, I was I think 12 years old and I took violin lessons in the room we're sitting in right now and then uh, my dad being a minister which we'll get into I guess a little bit about myself, but my dad being a minister, um, also my uncle, he founded a church that was inside of this building for a number of years and then eventually uh, became Prairie Harvest. So kind of, it's always cool coming down to the station here. Um, I was born and raised an hour and a half from Yorkton. My dad, again, being a minister, my mom, a homemaker, uh, raised us. I was the oldest of eight or am the oldest of eight children. Um, Interestingly, four of my siblings have moved to Yorkton in the last few years. So it's It's pretty neat having them here and and, uh, close to my family. Um, When I was 18 years old, I married my wife. I'd moved to Yorkton about a year prior to that. So I've been here a little over 20 years. And this year marks my wife and I's 20th wedding anniversary. A few years later, we started our family, started having kids. And so we have three children. My oldest is Shanice. Uh, She recently graduated from the regional high school. Aaliyah is attending the regional high school. And my son, Derek, is attending Yorkdale. Um, That's a little bit about the family. Um... It's been about 19 years since we started our first uh, business. And so that's kind of been the path that my life took as being a a small business person and entrepreneur, have opened numerous businesses inside the city, learned a lot of lessons from those successes and failures, and uh, brought me to the point where uh, about eight years ago, I was getting some um, advice on getting involved. You should get involved. This is something you'd be good at. I wasn't ready, truthfully. Um, really took a look at myself and was just like, no, this isn't the time. Four years ago, much different sat down with my family, with some of my friends and supporters and decided that this was going to be something that I did. And it's been an absolutely wonderful experience serving Yorkton as a city councillor. Uh, and that kind of brings us to today. Um, the, two, the two businesses, I guess, to mention, uh, Cab Clothing is kind of the one that most people know me for. And it's been in Yorkton for 17 years. Um, was in the Parkland Mall for 15 years and we've relocated to Broadway. Uh, my wife and I purchased Let's Make Wine. Uh, it was on the Linden Square Mall. And last year we bought the old hitching post building on Betts Avenue, renovated it and moved our business there. So that's kind of an update on, on where we're at today.
0: Excellent. Well, again, both you and the other candidate are incumbent councillors for the last four years and now taking that additional step uh, to run for mayor. So let's talk a bit about that decision. What made you run for mayor? And I'm honestly curious, uh, say, for example, if, Mayor Bob Maloney would be running for re-election. We'll play that if card, if you will. Uh, Is this decision different? Uh, Would you have run for mayor if Bob Maloney chooses to run for another
1: term? Well, that's a really interesting kind of thing to throw in on the question because the truth is, is when this started for me, as far as like thinking about the need for who's going to be our mayor in in the upcoming term, a big reason why those... Thought started coming early on was because of the fact that I did know that Bob would be looking towards retirement. I have never really played that thought in my mind because I hadn't thought about the mayor chair, to be honest, until I kind of understood that Bob would be um, looking towards retirement. In attending mayor's summer school, it's a, it's a weekend that happens at the university in Regina. One of the conversations I had was with the president of, of the Saskatchewan municipalities. And he'd mentioned that he also knew that Bob was looking towards retirement. And it was that conversation was the first time when I thought, wow, the president of, of, at the time it was SUMA, the president of SUMA is kind of shoulder tapping me and saying, I should really think about this. So that was, you know, something that got the wheels kind of turning. And then truthfully. I really believed after being a counselor for these years, that there needed to be some continuity between one council to the next. I don't feel personally that having a first time, uh, elected official, that the mayor would be a great position for that. Not saying it couldn't happen and you couldn't do a good job. I just feel it, it after four years of this, I I've learned that I think you want somebody with some experience in that position. So then it was kind of like looking around the council room. Cause we want that council continuity. Um, and mayor Bob's going to be retiring. So I looked around the room and kind of took a look at the different people and their, their places in life with their employment and those types of things. And then also the commitment that has been given to the city in the four years that I've kind of witnessed as a counselor. And I really thought this put me in a position where, um, I would be a good fit. Now, the next thing was going and talking to mayor Bob, cause I thought that just out of respect for the position and respect for him before I start working towards this, I need to talk to Bob. And uh, so I gave him a call, finally kind of worked up the courage to have that visit and walked into his office. And he was like, Aaron, I hope you're here to talk about running for mayor. And <laughs> what a great icebreaker. And and that day started uh, a little bit of a different relationship with bob and i where now i was getting support and advice and uh and understanding a little bit more about what he does at city hall and what his role is and so i really appreciated bob's support and that was kind of now taking it to the next level of of what made me run for mayor i had Bob's support I'd had these other people in politics that had said hey i think you could do this And then the next thing was to talk to the counselors. So I went around and talked to all the counselors, letting them know my intention to run for mayor. Um, And there was support. There was uh, nothing that was like negative towards that. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm off to something. The last thing that I needed to do is really sit down and talk to my family, my staff, um, and and some of my community supporters and, and other people who are... In the community that play a big role, I needed to ask them, "What do you think of this?" And so, once we kind of got through all of that, I, I felt like I had a firm foundation to start my quest to be uh, the next Mary Yorkton.
0: Alright, Aaron Keenley, Mayoral Candidate for the City of Yorkton, with us on All You Ever Wanted to Know. This invitation has also been extended to the other mayoral candidate in the City of Yorkton, Mitch Hipsley. You'll be hearing from him as well before the election. On All You Ever Wanted to Know, same format, same questions, this is an opportunity each candidate has to share what they want to about their run for mayor. Alright, so next question for you Aaron is, how does the platform change? from running for council four years ago to now running for mayor, if at all?
1: Yeah, to be completely honest, um, before I ran for council four years ago, I went and talked to some of the other uh, elected officials, um, whether in our community or in other communities, to really understand the role. Um, and part of that research led me to the fact that as a councillor, as a mayor, you're only a single vote In Yorkton, there's seven of us. You need to have a majority before you can move anything forward. So to me, it was dishonest or disingenuous to campaign on promises I couldn't produce myself. So I decided four years ago to campaign on things I could do myself. And I've done the same thing in this election uh, and in this campaign. And so those things being communication, um, accessibility to me and to to, uh, council really, but also uh, commitment and education. So the education piece is so important. And we'll talk, I'm sure about more about that later. Those were kind of the staple things that I campaigned on last time. Um, and then new to this time being that I'm running for mayor is leadership and teamwork. I think that, you know, no doubt you're still a community leader as a counselor. Um, I definitely worked hard on that. No doubt you're working on teamwork as a, as a counselor, but there's almost like a different level in my opinion, if you end up being elected as mayor. Now you need to bring council together. You need to bring administration together. You need to bring our residents together and, uh, and everybody kind of work to the betterment of Yorkton.
0: All right. Well, again, both of you have experience on the council now one term for each of you and Mitch. So what are some of the things that you've learned from that time on council in these last four years that best prepare you for that potential promotion to the mayor's chair?
1: Right. And I think this is the perfect time, I guess, to speak on on education. And that would be one of the things that I noticed in the past four years that a lot of times I think it happens where somebody is elected to a position, whether it's on a board or a council, and you kind of feel like, wow, the the residents have noticed that I have what it takes to do this job. And I don't believe that's the case whatsoever. I think that you show up with some of the tools in the toolbox, but you need to refine those and work very hard to get educated and to learn as quickly as possible. And especially when it comes to to making good decisions. So the education piece to me, I think really stuck out. Um, City administration did a great job running orientation sessions and so much, but it was such an action-packed first six months with five of us being elected as as new councillors that one of the things that I've learned from this time on, on council is that I think we need to encourage even more education. We need uh, to really work as a team to kind of foster the fact that, Hey, there's this seminar going on or this, this webinar we need to take part in. And so that I think will be something that as mayor, I will really encourage uh, our city council to work hard on their education so that we can make better decisions for our residents. All right.
0: Anything further you wanted to add to that?
1: Well, I mean, it kind of goes with the same thing, but th- there's a saying, read to lead, and I've never found that more important. Um, we get our council packages kind of the end of the week leading up to our Monday meeting, and you need to go through those, dissect them, read them, and that way you come out the other side able to make good decisions. Um, meeting with staff, I guess, is another one. Uh, if I've got questions, one of the best places I can go, example, if it's about finance, I I'm not a great bookkeeper. That's not one of my strengths. I roll into our finance department, talk to uh, who I need to talk to to get those answers. And and I think that's also important. So those are some of the great things that you're able to learn from being a counselor, and that'll prepare me uh, for being mayor.
0: All right. Uh, both of you, uh, again, the fellow candidate, Mitch Hipsley, don't worry, I'll say your name a couple times in there too <laughs> during his interview. Uh, but uh, both of you are business owners. Again, another similarity, if you will. So how do you plan to take on that challenge of running 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 your businesses while also in the mayor's chair if you're successful.
1: Yeah, no, this is a fantastic question and one that I have been quite surprised hasn't come up more often. Um, This was something that, again, wanted to do my research with Mayor Bob, understanding the time commitment and the role uh, that he served and wanting to do the same. Uh, So so my intention is to be a full-time mayor. What I've done over the past four years is prioritize my council position, even above my businesses, and been able to put in a lot of work that maybe some of the others haven't been able to because of their constraints with their work. Um, So, When it comes to running the businesses, I mean, unlike Mitch, uh, where he is the product. So he's the photographer, has to be there taking the picture. There's nobody to back him up and take that picture for him. I sell products. So whether at my clothing store or at my winemaking store, we sell products. And so what I've done is I've surrounded myself with a great staff, management, business partners. And actually, I have family members that work at both my businesses. And those people were all a part of the decision and needed to understand that I will be prioritizing being the mayor above these businesses and continuing that way and that I'll need their support. So that's kind of, I guess the difference in, in, and I'm not, not sure, I guess Mitch will talk for, for how he plans to do that, but that's, that's my plan. Okay. Uh, past
0: four years, uh, it's been, I guess, just anytime you read about what's been happening in council chambers, uh, there were a lot of difficult decisions made by city council, I suppose any year, but maybe in previous years, a oh man, uh, This time, we saw a lot of small margins, things getting passed, things getting turned down. So an opportunity I wanted to give both of the candidates, again, running for mayor, just to talk about what went behind your own mind for some of the decisions that did happen at council meetings on some of these issues. Uh, Loving this program's format, Uh, I want to give you both as much time as you want to, explain your stance on a particular topic. And so there's a couple of the different things that have happened uh, over the past uh, few years that, again, been really close votes, uh, controversial, you could say, even in some ways. Uh, but let's dive into just even something like uh, annual budgets, uh, how your votes went with that, and ultimately sometimes those came with Well, I guess I shouldn't say sometimes there's been ongoing tax increases year after year. So when it comes to those certain things, uh, let's talk about your stance on how these budget processes went through for starters.
1: Sure. Thanks, Jordan. So I guess first thing to note on the budget portion of the question is that both uh, Mitch and myself have voted in favor of the budget each time. So we've went through budget deliberations, kind of worked out all the kinks as far as what we thought, you know, needed to be added or removed or whatever. And then as a group, it comes forward to council and both Mitch and myself have voted voted in favor of the budget each time. On tax increases, though, uh, this is this is a bit of a, a big question here, and something that's obviously being a focus of this campaign right now is tax increases. Um, so the big one was in 2017. That was where we saw over a nine percent tax increase here in the city of Yorkton, and it's it's something that we have to note that. The provincial government canceled the grants in lieu program, which cost Yorkton residents a million point two dollars annually. So we're almost at a point where um, there's been five million dollars lost. that was annual revenue that we always got from the provincial government that equated to about a six and a quarter, six point two five percent tax increase in that year. So we would have been seeing something just over three, but instead it was over nine Um I think it's important to also note that inflation, so when we talk about, right now, I guess the buzzword in town is 0% tax increases. And the residents need to understand and become educated in the fact that prices of everything continue continue to rise. And that's our cost of living increase or, or inflation. And that number sits somewhere right around 3%, just a little under or just a little over. So when we, whenever we don't raise those taxes by about 3%, we actually step backwards and then we're faced with the decision of cutting services. And that's definitely a, a, a conversation that can be had and should be had with the residents that if we want to stay at zero percent increase or we don't want to see you know increases in our taxes what services are we willing to cut and to what extent when will we say okay okay that's enough um so an example that i'll use also is on my own home so and it's the average house price which is two hundred fifty thousand in yorkton um That inflationary cost or that 2.9% increase, it equates to about $54 a year or $4.50 a month. So in my world, I want to keep the levels of service. I want our snow being uh, removed. I want our water main breaks being fixed in a timely manner, those types of things. And so for my family, it it comes at a cost, family of five at $4.50 a month. That's what it's going to increase. I also think it's kind of interesting and we always need to look back on kind of the past and see, see what's happened. There was a time in Yorkton where we had a council that worked with 0% tax increases. And that was in the late 90s and early 2000s where we saw four years of 0% tax increases. And the three years surrounding those four years of 0% tax increases, there were over 33% increases. So, I know I said a lot of numbers there, but it was like zero, zero, zero. And then we saw almost a 6% increase, wasn't quite enough. So, we saw a 14% increase, and that was too much. So, the Council of the Day actually did another 0% increase. And that's the last time we've seen zero. Immediately followed that year was a 13.5% increase. So, my vision for taxation, and, and it is a big thing, is stability. We need to see stability in taxes. And that's where, again, if you have those small inflationary raises, um, it's fairly stable. People know what they got to set aside for taxes and you don't have these really high highs and really low lows. Um, So I guess that would, that would kind of be my thing. And then of course, coupling all that tax stability with fiscal responsibility and making sure that we're being responsible for the dollars that are being spent.
0: All right. Uh, Again, uh, that was definitely, I know, one of the uh, big-time issues, and it continues to be during this campaign. Uh, Great to get uh, your input on that. Aaron Keenley, again, mayoral candidate for the City of York, and our guest on All You Ever Wanted to Know. Uh, Another chance to explain what went behind your own personal vote on some of the big hot topic issues from the past four years, a new public works building, uh, which did eventually get uh, approval, again, by a very close vote. uh, Feel free to go through the process of, what went behind your decision.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this was a, this was a tough one. And I think something that needs to be noted on this as well is that something needed to be done with this facility, with this building, and it needed to be done long before uh, I became a city councillor. This was just one of those decisions that was going to be expensive. It was going to be large and it kind of kept getting passed along until somebody was going to do something about it. And I know that there's a lot of controversy around this building, but to me, There should also be a lot of pride in the fact that we finally got it done. Um, The conditions there were deplorable. There was uh, no hot water in the entire facility. There were no shower rooms. Uh, That were usable. So we're talking about public works employees coming out of a sewer or completely dirty, dealing with a water main break, and now they head back to the shop and they can't even have a shower or wash themselves with warm water. There was rodents. Then there was the whole environmental issue where there was off-gassing happening that was deemed dangerous for humans to be around. Um, So something had to be done with the unsafe work environment, and obviously we need to prioritize staff, staff. Staff safety. Um, so when we we looked at this project over the course of the entire four years, but when it really came to a head, it got brought before us at budget, as we were talking about. And so when we went through the budget process right before that meeting, because I knew this is going to be this is going to be the big one. Um, that's where I made my first recent visit back to Public Works. Um, from that point all the way to when it was actually voted down the first time, I visited Public Works. Three separate occasions, just taking a look, talking to staff, kind of better understanding, am I making the right decision? Is this is this the right thing to do? And after all of that, and also, of course, listening to, to the experts that we get to bring in and give us recommendations, I knew that this was something that had to happen. And was it a lot of money? Absolutely. But it needed to happen. I think an interesting thing that's happened recently is, uh, you know, the provincial government allocating $19 million for the renovation of the Yorkton Regional High School. Is that a ton of money? Absolutely. It doesn't seem right to me. I mean, it seems just crazy. But I don't understand that. And I need professionals and experts to explain, like, well, here's what's going to happen with the mechanical. Here's the amount of money. So when we go over and we look at a brand new build where we're spending $20 million, yeah, it's a lot of money, but this is something that needed to happen and it's a future investment. Now we don't need to worry about that. Much like the fire hall, um, those types of things, once they're built, off we go. We're now good for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and on the topic of like doing your due diligence, showing your commitment, um, again, through that time period leading up to the vote, I visited Public Works three times to take a look at it. And then on our final vote night, um, Mitch made mention, and this is a quote, uh, so I quote, I wish I was in Yorkton. I would have happily come down to their work site, end quote. And it just shows to me the lack of a commitment as he had opportunities over the past four years to visit that work site and see the conditions because he knew that this vote was coming and he simply didn't and was out of the province at that time. So I'm proud of the decision. I know it's not popular with some people. However, that's kind of part of the job is making tough decisions.
0: All you ever wanted to know again with Aaron Keenley, mayoral candidate in the city of Yorkton. Also, uh, want to talk about uh, some of the other things that uh, happen. I know Yorkton Exhibition uh, Grandstand recently got funding. So, projects. Uh, I mean, like the grandstand in general, what is your instance in giving some help in those directions?
1: Yeah, well, we just seen uh, recently at a council meeting, we saw the Brick Mill Society or the Brick Mill Committee uh, come forward and they're looking at kind of preserving history, much like the grandstand in the Yorkton Exhibition. And I think the number one thing that stands out about these types of projects and these types of organizations is that the city is giving a small, like a portion of the money that's going to be needed. And then we're leaving it up to these organizations to fundraise and to get more money to build something that's going to be really great for our community and that's going to preserve history and give us the opportunity for events and for more things for people to do in our city. So with with the grandstand, I think that that's kind of what I'm most looking forward to is I know the work that's going to go in by the Yorkton exhibition. They're going to work hard. This is going to be a project they're proud of. And we're going to see a lot more events, which is going to stimulate our local economy and, and help us post-COVID, obviously. Mm.
0: All right. So uh, last one, I call it the Yorkton special because it just seems to be so Yorkton that, uh, I mean, we can even argue over something like, a traffic circle. Uh, <laughs> the third one in the city, Darlington Mayhew. I think partly why I want to get uh, just uh, both of your opinions on it is that in a lot of ways, I think it's just symbolic in a lot of ways of, you know, just even direction of city as a whole. Uh, I think it can sometimes fall back on something as simple as a traffic circle. So, uh, Take it from there. Uh, your vote on that traffic circle in that project when it happened a couple of years back, and when it was presented to council.
1: Sure. So, so this one here, to me, it's interesting because if we were in a slightly larger city, the council would not be getting. Here's what we're going to do with an intersection. What do you guys think we should do? Um, but in Yorkton, we're just the right size where you know they know it's going to be potentially controversial, and so we're going to bring this to council. At the end of the day, um, I'd like roundabouts. I've spent a lot of time traveling. Um, and for me, when I happen to see or drive through a roundabout, honest to goodness, the first thing I think of is like, man, this is kind of a, a cool progressive community. They got this roundabout and our single lane roundabouts, trust me, are nothing compared to the double and triple lane roundabouts that I've had to navigate through. Um, when it comes down to, I guess, this particular roundabout when everything was kind of taken out of it and our true cost came in, once the tenders came back, we were looking at about a, a difference of $180,000 to go from a four-way stop to a roundabout. Obviously going to lighted intersection, significantly more money. And then you also have, as you've seen on Broadway and Fourth, you also have the upkeep and maintenance of that intersection and those lights and the electronics that go along with it. So the money part part of it, this was another good long-term investment. We're going to spend a little bit more money. However, it's going to be capable of taking more traffic than the four-way stop. And that was where the experts come into play. Now, going back to we need to get educated. Um, There's a lot of education we can do on our own. We can go all over the internet looking for uh, different ideas and opportunities. And there's no doubt that's something that everybody needs to do is do a little bit of research on your own. There is a point, though, that sitting on council or sitting on a board, you have to sit back and allow the people that you have hired in your organization to tell you that we've been in touch with consultants, with engineers, with architects, with planners, and this is the research. And right, wrong, or otherwise, you know, where people are bringing back, you know, well, I went on Google and took a look at this. These are the people that we have hired. These are the people that we should trust. And so moving forward, to me, the decision was, this is the right thing for this intersection. And, in, and the most interesting thing is that as I've been walking the city of Yorkton, I've once again with, with family and with some supporters, uh, we've walked the city of Yorkton hanging door knockers on every, on every doorknob in, in the city. When I was out in that neighborhood out in the east, I was a little bit nervous about the conversations that would come up Because of the roundabout, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to, how this is going to go. And so I embraced that. And that was always one of the first things that I talked about. How how are you feeling about the roundabout that's over there by the Baptist church? And I can tell you with complete honesty that I didn't have anybody that was negative about it. There was actually a couple of people who said, I didn't think it was going to be a good idea, but man, it moves traffic quickly. Everybody's out of the way. There's nobody backed up. One parent told me that they would always park in the heritage Baptist parking lot and usually end up stuck in there for 10 minutes waiting for that four-way stop to clear out. And now there's none of that. Um, so overall, I think it's a success again, another one of those tough decisions, but uh, that's the job.
0: All right. Again, all you ever wanted to know with Aaron Keenley, mayoral candidate in the city of Yorkton.
1: Now, uh, going
0: into the future, uh, it seems like the next big, big project uh, for the city of Yorkton that will be being considered, uh, perhaps uh, in the next few years. uh, Proposed expansion at the Gallagher Centre, a new rink potentially, replace an aging kinsman. So what will you be taking into consideration before a vote on something like that?
1: Well, I'm excited about this project, um, and I don't know exactly when the right timing is going to be or when the exact scope of the project, how we're going to determine what exactly is needed. Um, but I'm overall, I'm really excited about the project. Um, this started to be talked about. Uh, one of the places it was discussed was at the Gallagher Center Management Board table, and that board... Um, gave me the opportunity or asked me to take the opportunity to become part of the steering committee and the construction committee for the Kinsman replacement. That's how it started was being the Kinsman replacement. So for the first time in Yorkton's history, there was a a sitting counselor that would sit on a committee and that would be there with the user groups, with the uh, people who would do the building, with the staff from that facility that would talk about, here's what we need uh, in this facility. And I think it's, it's, it was such a good thing to kind of be one of the counselors and hearing those things. Now moving forward um, onto the next facility, we have another counselor that's taken that role. So it worked so well that this is going to continue on and I think that's a great thing. So I was a, I was a part of the, the committee and this building started as we need to replace the kinsmen it's an aging infrastructure piece um, we're starting to see you know underground piping that's close to the players bench in that facility is probably clogged uh, we're not getting as well of ice in certain areas once the weather changes um, everything from the size of dressing rooms the size of lobby to uh, humidification the aging uh, ice plant that is there and so to me the big thing was if we end up with this rink going down, and we use uh, hockey especially, Yorkton Minor Hockey especially uses also Bredenbury's rink and Theodore's rink. And both of those communities have had issues with their ice plants as well in recent years. And to me, the thought was if we end up losing the Kinsmen, and if we lose one or both of those other two small town rinks, we're literally gonna have hundreds of families that are up in arms unavailable to get their kids to their favorite recreation activity. So we have to once again plan for the future and figure out a way to provide a solution before the problem happens. Um, Prices are always going to go up. This study was looked at back in 2009. They gave the Kinsman about 10 years. So now we're in 2020. Kinsman still standing. I'm not saying it's going to fall down anytime soon, but we're in a position where 10 years ago when they were looking at it, there's no question it's more expensive to build today. The project then grew where we started to look at where could this facility be placed. And one of the things that was identified is maybe we should twin the Gallagher Center. Maybe we should make that facility, maybe what it always should have been having two ice surfaces there. And then once we brought the project there, we also looked at once again, previous councils, when they did the renovation at the Gallagher Center, they didn't renovate what is now the Westland Arena, previously the Feral Agencies Arena. So we've got dressing rooms that don't fit junior hockey teams. We've got, you know, um, not enough shower stalls, not enough bathroom stalls for the people that are there. It's just, it's an old aging building and there's new ways to do things. So we started looking at, well, maybe we could renovate that and get better pricing on that renovation while we're building this new rink and then we went out to all the user groups after hiring a uh, construction manager which that was a cool uh, process to be a part of we went out to all the user groups hockey figure skating rec hockey um, and and tried to get all the information we could from all of them and then also to the public we did public consultation and tried to get as much information as we could and then we built the project based on all of that and that got brought forward to council again it's another high ticket uh, a high-priced project, and based on kind of where it was coming with COVID happening, and there's no doubt we have to be a little bit more conscious of our money and of our spending, just because we don't know where this whole pandemic is going to land all of us. Um, we put the we put the project on hold, and the plan is is that in a future strategic planning meeting. The new council will take a look at that project and start making some decisions on the scope. Does it need to be a twinned arena? Does it need to be at the Gallagher Center? What type of money should we be spending if we can't spend this? Or is this what we need to do and now is just not the time and we need to hold off for a while until we can maybe build a reserve of money for a down payment?
0: Comes with the territory, some of these tough decisions of being in a position of mayor or councillor. So when it comes to some of these decisions that have to be made, uh, what are the resources that you access to help make that final decision?
1: So I know it sounds like I'm beating this one up a bit, but once again, it's education. So over the past four years, I've attended uh, all four annual uh, Saskatchewan municipalities conventions. I've attended regional uh, SUMA meetings. I've attended many webinars. Um, I got into, strangely enough, listening to podcasts on municipal governance and on community building, uh, magazines. And then uh, I also attended a Summa Mayor's Summer School. And so that was a full weekend at the University in Regina and really sat in and absorbed as much as I could. Um, through that uh, organization, I earned two certificates in municipal leadership development. And I think that that education is what you draw on when it's time to make those decisions. But not just that, over many different decisions, I've talked to experts in those fields. I've talked to other municipal leaders, other provincial government leaders. Um, and then also there's there's people in our community that you can gain a lot of information from. And so I think that between relationship and education, those are the things that I try to draw on as much as I can, all leading back to making the best decisions for our city.
0: All right. Well, is there something we haven't covered enough or even at all today that you wanted to mention?
1: I don't know. I think we've covered a whole lot and I appreciate the opportunity. And I mean, the the number one thing is, is if you're listening and you're uh, able to vote, you're over 18, you're a resident of Yorkton, of our country, then uh, you need to get out and vote. And there's a whole lot of ways you can do it through advanced polls. Drive-through polling stations are new this year. You can go down to City Hall and cast your ballot there. And then, of course, it all wraps up with election day voting on November the 9th.
0: All right. Well, politics are often very divisive, nasty even. Uh, I don't know if anyone in the world has dreamed asking this question of a candidate in the election of any regard. But uh, I'm going to ask you about your fellow candidate and uh, say something nice about uh, the person going up against you in the mayor's uh, race, and that being Mitch Hipsley.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jordan. So you know what? One of the things, that, as I was thinking about this question, um, comes to me that while I was walking Yorkton, uh, I ran into one of his lawn signs. And something that he puts on, put on one of his lawn signs is that he knows a lot about Yorkton's history and Yorkton's past. And I would have to 100% agree that I've been in great conversations with him some of our mutual friends talking about the history of Yorkton for an example both of us have businesses on Betts Avenue and even just hearing the past history of that street and how important that street was to Yorkton so many things I didn't know but Mitch does have this history so that, that would be something um, although I do want to make mention that in this election I think it's important that we look to the future and so I'm really encouraging people to vote keenly for mayor
0: last opportunity anything else to wrap up today all right, Aaron. Well, again, Aaron Keenley has been our guest today on All You Ever Wanted to Know. If you're in that election fever and you want to hear the other side and Mitch Hipsley, you can head on over right now to our Rock website, therock985.ca, listen to his interview, or you can wait for it to also come up here in this time slot in the future on All You Ever Wanted to Know. Thanks again to Aaron keenly and also to Mitch Hipsley for taking this extensive time to join us talk about these issues as they pertain to our municipal election coming up in Yorkton. All these guests also had the opportunity to review these questions ahead of time. Once again, both candidates had that opportunity to do their research and pile up answers as they saw fit. Both, again, candidates received that opportunity. It's all you ever wanted to know on The Rock 98.5. Until next time, have yourself a wonderful day and be blessed.